break 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 You're listening to Breakthrough News, and this is The Punch-Out. We're following the news all day so you don't have to, giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be. And yes, we are back here on The Punch-Out, 23rd of September 2021. Very happy to be back with you here on the show, as we always are. We've got plenty for you here on the show, as we always do. We're going to be talking about the ongoing brutal expulsion of Haitian migrants from Texas by the United States Border Patrol. We're also going to be talking about insider trading with the Federal Reserve. But before we get to either of those two very important stories, we want to start by discussing vaccine apartheid and big pharma. The issue of vaccines is on the world agenda this week as the United Nations takes up the global deficit in vaccines that has become colloquially known as vaccine apartheid that has seen much of the world starved of access to vaccines while the richest countries hoard far more than they actually need. The United States attempted to step into the breach yesterday, upping their pledged donations to a total of $1.1 billion donations of vaccines to poorer countries, but that's just by the end of next year. China announced that they were aiming to provide 2 billion doses by the end of this year. Italy doubled its pledge of donations, saying they would provide 45 million doses to lower-income countries by the end of this year. Ultimately, however, these various donation pledges have failed to keep pace so far, keep pace with the promises so far. And in fact, only 15%, for instance, of the 1 billion doses pledged by wealthy countries to Africa have actually shown up in Africa. A new report from Amnesty International is detailed even further than what was already evident that this state of affairs is not, in fact, coincidental and can ultimately be laid at the feet of the for-profit pharmaceutical industry. Amnesty examined policies and practices of the major pharmaceutical companies in the West with COVID-19 vaccines, AstraZeneca, BioNTech SE, it's the German company that partnered with Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson, Moderna, and Novavax. And these were the largest vaccine developers by delivery agreements in doses, according to UNICEF. That's why they picked them. Amnesty notes that the World Health Organization has tried to establish a range of measures to hopefully speed up the production and distribution of vaccines. The first being the COVAX facility to centrally purchase drugs and distribute them to poorer nations. There's also something known by the acronym of CTAP, which is set up to pool the intellectual property and manufacturing know-how. And there are also mRNA vaccine hubs that are designed by the WHO to help countries with less capacity develop vaccines with this new technology. And on that technology issue, Amnesty notes, quote, all companies assessed have so far refused to participate in internationally coordinated initiatives designed to boost global supply by sharing technology such as CTAP and COVID-19 mRNA hubs. All have also opposed proposals to relax intellectual property rules, such as those put forward by India and South Africa to the World Trade Organization Council for Trade-Related Aspects of Intellectual Property Rights. None of the companies have issued global, non-exclusive licenses to other companies. 
end quote. What's the impact of all this? Well, I'll give you one example. Canadian company Biolize has estimated that they could produce 15 to 20 million doses of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. They also pledged to give Bolivia 15 million doses of that, enough to vaccinate a very large percentage of their entire adult population. But since February of this year, Johnson & Johnson have refused to give them a license to produce it. And even worse than that, the Canadian government refuses to issue a compulsory waiver that would allow them to just make it anyway. It really forced Johnson & Johnson to give them the license. Now, how many other situations out there are there like this? How many vaccines could be produced if the intellectual property restrictions were lifted? It's a good question. As for COVAX and the distribution so far, Amnesty notes that, quote, BioNTech and Moderna have allocated almost all of their vaccines so far to higher income countries. Just 3.4% of Moderna's 2021 production and 8% of Pfizer BioNTech's is due to go to COVAX. Johnson & Johnson has sent 79% of their vaccines to rich countries, although if they follow through with their pledges to ship vaccines directly to Africa, that would drop to 53%, but of course we don't know if that's going to happen. AstraZeneca has probably done the best here, only sending 34% of its deliveries to the richest countries. Novavax has pledged 60% of its vaccines to COVAX, and those are just coming into production. It's the newest vaccine out there. But that isn't as responsible as it sounds. Since they developed their vaccine fairly late, the main rich country markets are already quite saturated. So COVAX is really the only way to sell large numbers of the vaccines this year. All in all, when you look at it in total, it is clear as day that the desire of companies to make profits and governments to make sure that they do is the key stumbling block in vaccinating the world. There are, of course, other issues, but realistically, a publicly funded, publicly backed, publicly spirited approach from the very beginning would have had us in a very different place now. Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell faced some tough questions from reporters yesterday about the Federal Reserve's rules around what trading is done by its various employees and officials. The Federal Reserve is at the center of world markets, so for sure, if you work there, especially at the highest levels, you absolutely have significant insight into how and where to place your money in order to make profits. Even further, among the top Federal Reserve officials, since they do so much to set the stage for how things play out in the markets, you also can easily manipulate things to benefit your holdings if you so chose, especially if you're smart and can disguise it a little bit. And as it turns out, or at least seems like, two Federal Reserve Board Governors, Robert Kaplan, the president of the Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas and Eric Rosengren, who's the president of the Federal Reserve Bank of Boston, were in fact trading on their knowledge, or again, it appears they were trading on their knowledge. As the New York Times notes, quote, Mr. Kaplan bought and sold millions of dollars in individual stocks and invested in stock futures, which can allow investors to make bets on whether the market will go up or down, according to his 2020 financial disclosures. Mr. Rosengren traded in financial products tied to real estate during a year in which he regularly warned the public about risk to that sector. Both said in statements that their investments had complied with Federal Reserve ethics rules. And that last part is pretty notable. They didn't feel like they even needed to hide it because, well, hey, it isn't really prohibited. As the journalist at Wall Street on Parade note, quote, the Fed's trading rules consist of 284 words that appear on page 14 of a Fed document called Program for Security of FOMC Information. FOMC is the 
Open Markets Committee. The document is devoid of even a single mention of any of the following types of trading that should be prohibited for Fed officials. Shorting the market, using derivatives to mask one's trading, trading in S&P 500 futures contracts, trading when one is aware that the Fed is about to make a market-moving announcement, regardless of whether or not it's around an FOMC meeting, trading in securities that the Fed is buying up, trading in and out of the same security or futures contract, and giving the appearance of timing the market and so on and so forth. So in other words, you more or less can just do whatever you want to do with the inside information that you have by working at the Federal Reserve. There are a few quote-unquote blackout windows around certain Fed meetings where you can't trade, and there are some limits on the types of assets that you can hold. But end of the day, there's significant leeway to essentially legally insider trade. The Fed often makes big moves outside of the periods deemed blackouts, by the way. So there's a real question, and we will see if anyone actually looks this closely into it, and if they do, if they're able to find it out, about whether Kaplan and Rosengren made moves around some of those big dates. If so, they could end up in much hotter water. As it stands now, Chairman Powell said all they were really going to do is just look at the existing rules. He was also asked if he knew about these moves and said, no, he did not. So clearly, he wasn't even looking at the disclosures to see if any of the Federal Reserve governors were doing something untowards. Put together, it all has a very shrug-of-the-shoulders sort of feel to it from the Fed. Either way, this reveals something that should be a scandal, although only the Wall Street Journal is giving it much play. That Federal Reserve officials, whether they are or are not abusing it, have significant ability to get very rich off of knowledge that no one else has, and in fact, to promote policies that make them richer. We'll just have to see whether this turns into a more specific scandal with these two specific Federal Reserve governors. Dan Foote, United States Special Envoy to Haiti, has resigned. He said in his resignation letter, quote, I will not be associated with the United States' inhumane, counterproductive decision to deport thousands of Haitian refugees. He also added, quote, our policy approach to Haiti remains deeply flawed. As Jake Johnson of the Center for Economic and Policy Research notes, quote, the resignation comes as the Biden administration pushes forward with one of the largest mass expulsions of asylum seekers in decades. At least 12 flights have transported an estimated 1,400 individuals from Texas to Haiti in the past four days, and such flights are expected to nearly double throughout the week. The Biden administration has pledged to totally close the Del Rio-Texas border camp, where some 14,000 people had gathered last week hoping to apply for asylum in the United States. Though the administration has stated it's prioritizing single adults for deportation, flight manifests show a significant portion of those sent to Haiti are families with young children. And notably here, the Biden administration has a contract out for an immigration detention facility to be hosted at Guantanamo Bay. And they specify in that RFP, the request for proposals for this contract, that they need guards who speak Haitian Creole. Now, the Biden administration swears they aren't planning on sending anyone from Del Rio to Guantanamo Bay, but it's certainly an ominous sign. The administration has come under fire from, well, really all over, Democratic congressional leaders, civil rights organizations, migrant groups. I mean, really just about anyone with a sense of human decency. Statements from the administration have waffled between justifying, quote unquote, enforcing our laws to decrying the treatment of migrants and claiming they are, well, looking into it. But again, they're still deporting people. As we said earlier this week, it's important that we note that they're using something known as Title 42 authority. That's a Trump-era pandemic regulation that, because of COVID-19, allows the government to deport people without giving them a chance to seek asylum. 
And it's clear why they are doing this, the Biden administration, that is. Many people are fleeing to the U.S. because they live in countries that are essentially large humanitarian disasters. Most of them are that way because of U.S. policies and the governments the U.S. backs. But Biden and his team know Republicans have weaponized a racist anti-immigrant current. In fact, it's really the central part of their political program, the Republicans, that is, stopping almost any immigration and using the most racist tropes about migrants to whip people up. Biden and team don't want that racist backlash to be a factor electorally. So rather than stand up and do the right thing, they're choosing to be brutal against migrants and try to look tough. So Democrats can posture as looking tough on border security in next year's midterm elections. It's cynical. It's racist. It's cruel. And it's something that can't be blamed on Trump. That's food for thought for all those who think you must vote for the Democrats every time at all costs. That's the punch out for today. We're with you Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. here in New York East Coast Standard Time, 2 p.m. in Los Angeles Pacific Standard Time, and 9 p.m. GMT. And of course, you can support everything we do here at Breakthrough News at patreon.com slash breakthrough news. It's your patronage that keeps all of our offerings here at Breakthrough News moving forward. And of course, you can check us out across all your social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at BT Newsroom. 